This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. The Kinescope Initiative Episode 113. A sitcom review in chronological order. From the SFPPN Television Center, take it away, Mark. Thank you, announcer Bod, and welcome to the Kinescope Initiative, a sitcom review in chronological order. Let's continue with the sitcoms of 1982. Star of the Family premiered on ABC on September 30th, 1982 at 8.30 p.m. Not to be confused with the 1950 variety series, this show had the honor of lead-in Joni Loves Chachi, so it's already got a full count at bat. Brian Dennehy and Catherine Maisnick star as a father and daughter. He's a fire chief, she's a rising country music star. There was a huge country revolution going on at the time, set off by the film Urban Cowboy and the move of the genre into more pop-like songs. Of course, Dennehy's character is very protective of her little girl. He also has to deal with a muscle-bound son, Michael Dudikoff, as well as the firehouse crew, Todd Sussman, George Deloy, Danny Mora, and Robert Clotworthy. Judy Pioli plays the girl's manager. We covered Todd Sussman for the Bob Crane Show in episode 75 and George Deloy in episode 109 for 9 to 5. Brian Dennehy attended Columbia University on a football scholarship interrupted by a stint in the Marines. He worked blue-collar jobs while doing regional theater on the side, eventually moving to acting full-time without any formal training. He would make a number of TV movies and guest spots, moving on to films... Looking for Mr. Goodbar, Semi-Tough, Foul Play, Ten, Little Miss Marker, First Blood, Gorky Park, Cocoon, Silverado, FX, Gladiator, Tommy Boy, and Ratatouille doing voice work. Dennehy returned to the stage in Broadway's Long Day's Journey into Night and Death of a Salesman, winning Tonys for both. There was also more TV, Pearl, Big Seamus, Little Seamus, Dynasty, Birdland, Nostromo, The Fighting Fitzgeralds, Just Shoot Me, Public Morals, Happen and Leonard, and The Blacklist. Dennehy was nominated for six Emmys for his TV movie roles and racked up 185 IMDb roles during his career. He was scheduled to star in an Amazon series Cooked this year, but passed away in April from cardiac arrest. Catherine Maisnick, Nee Salzberg's grandfather, was a publicist for Sinatra and others from that generation. This was Catherine's only ongoing TV series, and she sang the opening theme. She would go on to a handful of TV guest spots. She also wrote and performed a one-woman show about her interactions with L.A. icon Angeline. Michael Dudikoff started off as a model before getting into acting, mostly doing TV guest roles. Ironically, he played the first boyfriend of schedule mate Joni a few years earlier. Films followed... I Ought to Be in Pictures, Tron, Bachelor Party, and then started a run of action films, most of which sound like military action codenames. Uncommon Valor, American Ninja, Avenging Force, Platoon Leader, The Human Shield, Chain of Command, Moving Target, Freedom Strike, Black Thunder. 
He also appeared in TV series North and South Book 2 and Cobra. Danny Mora already had a run on Chico and the Man prior to Star of the Family. He also had regular or recurring work on The Bold and the Beautiful and Chop Shop. Films include Mr. Mom and Oh God, You Devil. Robert Clotworthy did a lot of TV guest work starring in the mid-70s, as well as films Who's That Girl, Switch, V.I. Warsharsky, and For the Boys, before moving mostly into voice work. My Neighbor Totoro, Mulan, The Emperor's New Groove, Shark Tale, The Iron Giant, The Incredibles 2, and video games, the StarCraft series, EverQuest 2, Tekken 5, Kingdom Hearts 2, Star Wars The Old Republic, Grand Theft Auto V, Final Fantasy XV. He also had a run on Two and a Half Men and The Big Bang Theory, again, doing voice work. Judy Pioli had a small run on Laverne and Shirley and a few guest roles, but did most of her work behind the camera. Story consultant on Laverne and Shirley, Charles in Charge, Perfect Strangers. A writer on I'm a Big Girl Now, Laverne and Shirley, Charles in Charge, Webster and Valerie. Producer on Good Time Girls, Webster and Valerie. Director on Step by Step and Perfect Strangers. Star of the Family lasted all of 10 episodes. Again, having Joni Loves Chachi as a lead-in did not help. Could only find the opening credits online, which is what you would expect from an early 80s sitcom. Cast members looking bemused as Maznick's character sings the opening theme on TV, then magically comes in the house as it ends. The New Odd Couple premiered on ABC on October 2nd, 1982 at 8.30 p.m. A reboot of the classic 70s series, which was itself based on the film and stage play before it. The play was so popular that productions were made with different ethnicities, genders, and characteristics for Felix and Oscar. This show did the same thing, making them African-American and enlisting two existing sitcom stars. Barney Miller's Ron Glass took on the Felix role, while Sanford and Sons' Damon Wilson covered Oscar, and we covered them in episodes 74 and 62, respectively. John Shuck, previously of Holmes and Yo-Yo, episode 82, played Murray the Cop. Christopher Joy and Bart Braverman played poker buddies Speed and Roy, and Sheila Anderson and Ronalda Douglas, the Pigeon Sisters. Christopher Joy produced, wrote, and starred in exploitation film Big Time. Bart Braverman started as a child actor in commercials, moving on to film and TV work in the mid-50s and appearing on I Love Lucy, Paladin, Somebody Up There Likes Me, 20 Million Miles to Earth. After a break, he returned as an adult on TV's Magic Mongo, the Plastic Man comedy adventure show, voice work, Dan Tana's cop buddy on Vegas, Santa Barbara, Mowgli, The New Adventures of the Jungle Book, and Shut Eye, and the film Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag, along with a lot of TV guest work. He also worked the game show circuit. His brother Chuck is an award-winning director. Renalda Douglas was a regular on The Secrets of Isis. The reboot of The Odd Couple didn't do quite as well as the Randall Klugman version running only 18 episodes. 
In terms of the storyline, it's basically identical. Gary Marshall produced both the original and the reboot, so that's to be expected. Watched an episode on YouTube. The opening theme is a jazzed-up version of the original. They even do similar bits on screen, minus the, on November 3rd, Felix Unger was asked to remove himself from his place of residence. That request came from his wife. Glass and Wilson do decent Tony Randall and Jack Klugman impressions. The music stings at the end of each act are almost identical to the original series. Good Times Esther Rolls guest stars as an IRS auditor. Of course, this won't be the last reboot of this series, but just watch the original instead. We saw love at first sight. It Takes Two premiered on ABC on October 14, 1982 at 9.30 p.m. Susan Harris, after creating Soap and Benson, attempted to tackle Norman Lear territory in a show about a longtime married couple. Richard Crenna plays Sam, a chief of surgery at a Chicago hospital. Patty Duke Aston plays Molly, who's an assistant DA. He's a liberal, but her exposure to criminals has turned her conservative. Can they still make it work while performing intense and demanding jobs? They have two kids who, like the leads, would end up with a major pedigree. Lisa is played by Helen Hunt. Andy is played by Anthony Edwards. Billy Bird plays Molly's mother, Richard McKenzie, a fellow doctor at the hospital, and Della Reese, a judge. Of course, we've already covered the leads, Richard Crenna all the way back in Episode 7 for Our Miss Brooks, with a bio in Episode 16 for The Real McCoys, Patty Duke Aston in Episode 32 for her eponymous series, Cousins, identical cousins. We covered Della Reese in episode 73 for Chico and the Man, and we'll cover Helen Hunt for her 90s starring role. Anthony Edwards attended the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts and then USC before dropping out to take acting roles. He had already appeared in a few TV movies and the films Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Heart Like a Wheel prior to It Takes Two. Spent the rest of the 80s and early 90s in films, Revenge of the Nerds, Top Gun, Mr. North, The Client, then returned to TV for a run on Northern Exposure before his best-known role as Dr. Mark Green on ER, winning a Golden Globe and six People's Choice Awards. He got an Emmy for Temple Grandin. He would later have regular or recurring roles on Zero Hour, Law and Order True Crime, and Designated Survivor. Other films, Zodiac and the voice of Echo in Planes. Billy Bird has a familiar face, mostly playing mothers, grandmothers, and busy buddies. Depending on the source, her first role was in a 1921 film short. Her first name role was in 1951's The Mating Season, before going on to The Lemon Drop Kid, Anything Can Happen, and Unwed Mother, before moving on to a lot of TV guest roles. She would be a regular or recur on The Young Marrieds, Benson, and Dear John, with small parts in films One Crazy Summer, The End of Innocence, Home Alone, Dennis the Menace, and Jury Duty, Bird Passed in 2002. Richard McKenzie is another familiar face. He got a guest spot on My Three Sons in 1961 before a 10-year hiatus. Many TV guest spots followed that, including one playing Archie Bunker's younger brother. He had a small run on Soap and Matlock and appeared in films Corvette Summer and Being There. 
There was also work on Broadway, Indians, and that championship season. You would think with two established leads, two up-and-coming young actors, and a creator with a great track record, It Takes Two would be a hit. Not so much, it only ran one season. The show was later bundled with episodes of It's a Living, also from the same creators, for syndication. Ironically, one component of the show would go on to a long run. The kitchen set, with slight redressing, would be reused by the Golden Girls. I found an episode on YouTube. The opening theme is really kind of an easy listening thing. The humor is more gentle than I expected. The whole she's a conservative, he's a liberal thing is given little time. It's more about the lack of time the couple has together. Of course, the leads do a great job with what they're given. Helen Hunt is basically playing a younger version of Jamie Buckman. Billy Bird plays a proto-Sophia. Well, after a long drought of hit sitcoms for CBS, the last one was House Calls all the way back in episode 100, They're Back. Also returning, a sitcom vet in his second try at bat. Newhart premiered on CBS on October 25, 1982, at 9.30 p.m. Meet Dick Loudon, Bob Newhart, a how-to book writer who decides to move to Vermont to run the Stratford Inn with his wife Joanna, Mary Fran. Like his last series, Bob mostly plays straight man to the quirky and or insane people around him. Tom Poston plays George, the handyman that came with the inn, Jennifer Holmes in the first season, and then Julia Duffy plays Leslie-slash-Stephanie Vanderkellen, heiresses and maids. Stephen Campman plays Kirk, owner of the local cafe. Peter Scolari plays Michael, the yuppie producer of Dick's eventual local talk show and eventual husband to Stephanie. And William Sanderson, Tony Pappenfuss, and John Volstad play Larry, Daryl, and my other brother Daryl locals and backwoodsmen who take over the cafe after Kirk leaves the series. There's also a host of locals, relatives, and neighbors who come through during the show's run. We covered Bob for his first eponymous series in episode 64, Tom Poston in episode 78 for On the Rocks, and Peter Scolari in episode 104 for Bosom Buddies. Mary Fran started out as a pageant winner, America's Junior Miss, then worked as a local weather girl, reporter, and host. At the same time, she started working in films. The first was an educational film from Jam Handy called Prom It's a Pleasure, which was riff tracks She had TV guest roles from the mid-60s into the 80s with a run on Days of Our Lives and King's Crossing, the latter airing the same year as Newhart. More guest roles followed her co-starring role there while hosting pageants and parades. Fran died of a heart attack at age 55 in 1998. Jennifer Holmes is mostly known for TV guest work, often as the damsel in distress on an action show. She would later co-star on Misfits of Science. Her role of Leslie Vanderkellen involved an heiress and world-class skier who wanted to know what it's like to be average. She left Newhart after one season. Julia Duffy did local theater as a teenager and wound up the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. She got a long-running role on Soap the Doctors, along with a lot of guest roles with regular or recurring work on Wizards and Warriors. 
Duffy replaced Jennifer Holmes playing her sister Stephanie Vanderkellen, who wasn't nearly as altruistic. She was nominated for an Emmy every year she was on Newhart, along with a Golden Globe nomination. Post-Newhart, she went on to starring roles on Baby Talk, Designing Women, replacing Delta Burke's character, The Mommies, and recurred on Reba, Passions, Drake and Josh, and Shameless. Duffy also continues to do regional theater work. Stephen Campman had a few guest roles prior to Newhart and left the series after season two. He's also appeared in films Club Paradise, For the Boys, and Analyze That. Campman was also a writer on WKRP in Cincinnati and was nominated for an Emmy there. He also wrote screenplays for Back to School, The Couch Trip, and Stealing Home. William Sanderson joined the Army and went to college on the GI Bill, earning both business and law degrees. He never took the bar exam. He became a well-known character actor, generally playing lower-class roles. His films include The Onion Field, Coal Miner's Daughter, Blade Runner, Fletch, The Rocketeer, The Client, and went on to regular or recurring TV work on Maximum Bob, not related to Newhart, Jumanji the Series, Deadwood, Bar Karma, True Blood. Sanderson recently announced his retirement from acting. Tony Pappenfuss is best known as one of the Daryls on Newhart, but did appear in films Escape from New York and Firefox, along with some guest TV work, often reprising his Daryl role. John Volstad had a slightly larger career in films 1941, Stripes, and Forrest Gump, along with some guest TV work, often reprising his Daryl role. Bob Newhart was inspired to his second series after seeing strange patrons at a hotel where he was staying. Of course, CBS was chomping at the bit to get Bob back on the air, so they agreed. The show went through a number of changes. During the first season, it was shot on videotape to save money, but Newhart pushed for the move to film after that. Holmes' character was written out after the first year, as her character was too nice to be funny. Since Campman's character wanted to be with Holmes' character, he didn't have a lot to do the next season and was canned as well. This is when Duffy and Scolari were brought in, along with the idea of Bob's character doing a local talk show, as the premise about writing how-to books and wacky patrons at the inn had worn thin. More and more of the show's plots revolved around Michael and Stephanie as they courted, broke up, got back together, eventually married, and had a child, all while being the symbol of the upwardly mobile 1980s. Both would steal scenes from Bob, which was fine with him, since he could just react to them. In fact, Bob tended to let the show flow around him. He would generally stay in the same position during a scene, letting the others do the work. Reportedly, he would leave the studio quickly each day, not even taking off his show's wardrobe. Someone from the wardrobe department would have to stop by his house to retrieve it. The Larry, Daryl, and Daryl characters became the breakaway stars, despite two of them never speaking. The studio forbid them to talk to the press. Then there's the final episode, considered to be the greatest in sitcom history. If you haven't seen it, shame on you. Go find it on YouTube. Okay, are you ready? A Japanese concern buys the Stratford Inn along with the rest of the town, turning it into a golf course and resort. Virtually everyone sells out and leaves, but Dick refuses to do so. Cut to five years later with Bob living in the middle of the resort and errant balls flying in with people off screen yelling, Four! The other residents return for a reunion. All are rich and happy. Even the Daryls speak for the first time. In the cacophony, Dick yells, you're all crazy, and tries to leave, only to have a ball crack him in the head. 
he wakes up in the bed of Bob and Emily Hartley. The entire series was a dream Dr. Hartley had. Emily's reply, that settles it. No more Japanese food before bed and goes back to sleep. The show ends with the old show's theme song. The reveal was kept secret from most of the cast and crew to avoid having it leak out. A fake ending was leaked where Dick dies and goes to heaven. The audience recognized the old Hartley bedroom set before either Bob or Suzanne's plichette, also kept a secret, popped out from the covers and began a long applause break. The episode is even referenced in a later Bob Newhart show reunion special where Bob explains the dream. Bill Daly's Howard Borden replies that he had a dream where I was an astronaut in Florida for five seasons. Of course, Daly was a co-star on I Dream of Jeannie. In the same special, Bob Hartley goes into an elevator only to find Larry, Daryl, and Daryl working on it. It was also parried in on SNL when Newhart was hosting with Plachette reprising her role. Her line, Saturday Night Live, is that show still on? There's also some controversy about the finale. Newhart insists his wife Ginny came up with the idea while the writers insist she was not involved. Both Jimmy Kimmel's and Craig Ferguson's talk shows parodied it as well. The show did well in the ratings, staying in the top 30 for six of its eight seasons, hitting 3.2 on the Bazinga scale. It was also nominated for 25 Emmys, but never won. The series is seen Monday through Friday on the Decades Diginet, with his earlier series preceding it. I watched an episode on YouTube. The show's theme from Henry Mancini is bucolic. The footage comes from outtakes of the film On Golden Pond. At one point, you can see Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn in a car. Mary Fran, like Plachette before her, is way too young and hot for Newhart. Bob does a lot of reacting. Poston is just a master of the befuddled guy. Michael and Stephanie have hired a baby naming consultant in a sign of how yuppie they are. They end up basing the name on themselves. Well, that wraps up 1982. Out of 21 sitcoms, seven survived past their first seasons for a success rate of 33%, the highest since 1976. The survivors, Joni Loves Chachi, although the second season is an asterisk at best, 9 to 5, Teachers Only, Family Ties, Silver Spoons, Cheers, and Newhart. We'll move on to 1983's sitcoms in our next episode, Announcer Bot, How Can the Folks Find Us Online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Well, I'm filing this episode in the archive. Tune in next time.